Welcome to the Georgia Songbirds podcast, brought to you by Anchor FM, Yes Ma'am Music, and we are live at the Oak House here in Canton, Georgia, with Miss Barb Carbon. Did yep. I say it? I know yeah. it's Moose, since you got Moose, right? Uh, that's my Appalachian Trail hiking name. Oh, okay. It's not a legit part of my name. That'd be cool if it was, but no, my, my middle name, I'm born in Connecticut, but I got a real Southern name. I'm Barbara Jean. Barbara so, Jean. Yeah. Well, Barbara I'm Jean. Jesse James, so I there, there you go. That's like almost Jesse James. That's cool. Yeah, that is. Everybody asks me, "What are you named after? Are you yeah. named after the outlaw, or you can tell how old they are because they say the outlaw or the motorcycle guy." Right. So I'm like, neither. My last name is yeah. Landers. My middle name is James. Yeah. So introduce yes. yourself, Barb. Uh, I'm Barb Carbon. I play with predominantly with the band the Ain't Sisters okay. out of Atlanta, Georgia, and then I do a lot of uh, solo shows. Um, but right now, I'm going to be releasing my first single and my first full-length solo album which is super exciting uh it's called the fighter and uh that's it's solo is such a inappropriate term because really it's got more instrumentation and more people on it than the ain't sisters record had on it okay uh just amazing musicians from all over the state came and people who I just kind of crapshooted. One of my favorite quotes is Wayne Gretzky. Uh-huh. He says, you miss 100% of the shots you never take. That's absolutely. So I try to, you know, if I see a shot, I try to take it. And so I emailed people who I thought were way out of my league and they were like, sure, we'll play on your record. <laughs> so it's a very well, um, well-produced and well-instrument-supported uh, record. Okay. And where did you get it recorded at? Uh, my friend Jaron Perlman, who I met really randomly, he was like a hired gun for uh, uh, this guy, Eric Norman, who I don't even know how Eric Norman knew who I was. He just reached out and asked okay. if I would open for him for his CD release party at uh, Red Light Cafe, and he had hired Jaron and Ben Williams, mm-hmm. who were both original members of... Um, the Shadow Boxers, and then also at that time we're playing with the Indigo Girls. Okay. Who are that's my number one longest inspiration, uh, other than maybe Aerosmith, which is a weird combination. <laughs> but <laughs> um, you know, Indigo Girls were like my main inspiration growing up, okay. and all of a sudden here's the drummer and the bass player for the Indigo Girls, and I didn't know that when they approached me, they were like, "Hey, do you ever need anybody? We really liked your set. I was just playing alone, like I'm about to do here." And, mm-hmm. um, they came up and they said, if you ever need anybody to back you up, you know, just let us know. And I was like, cool, man. Who else do you guys play with? And they were like, well, we play with the Shadow Boxers and the Indigo Girls. And I was like, oh, yeah, we'll play some shows <laughs> together. <laughs> and, um, and we ended up uh, hiring them to play with us at a show at um, Music on Main Street in Lilburn that year. Okay. Uh, just, just a one-off. We were like, let's just do it just for fun. Okay. Um, and so we played with them and then... Uh, Ben, I think, went out on tour with somebody else, but Jaron and I kept in touch, and he had been working on building a recording studio in his house at that time, and he's like, you should come over and record with us at some point, Um, and then he moved out to Smyrna, because he was living in Duluth at that time, and when he moved out to Smyrna, he really did it up, and he built himself this really nice home studio, Mm -hmm. and generally speaking, if if you're recording in a home studio, the two things you need to watch out for it's difficult to do drums well, yeah. and it's difficult to do vocals well. Mm-hmm. Jaron's a drummer. Okay. So he built his studio with drums in mind, so his studio is perfect for drums. And then he said straight out from the beginning, he's like, if we do this album here and we get to vocals and we do the first couple of vocals and you don't like them here, we'll go rent out a different studio and we'll do vocals someplace else. But he built a vocal studio down there for me that was second to none. He's And he's just such a good engineer because he really pays attention to detail and he's got like this uh, multitasking brain where he's listening and he's hearing all the things that can go on top, mm. you know, right from the very beginning. We actually ended up using um, my acoustic guitar tracks, my scratch tracks as the actual acoustic guitar tracks because okay. they came out so well just because he, he listened to the songs and he's like, he built, he uses, a, this is a little bit techy, but um, the DAW systems that you use for recording, most people use Pro Tools. Yeah. He uses Pro Tools for um, like the post engineering, but for actual recording, he uses uh, Ableton, which is 
predominantly an EDM okay. doll. Um, but the cool part about that is I, as a musician, I hate to play to a click track, which is what keeps you on yeah, time. Yeah, can't stand it. And click tra- like, it, it, ask almost anybody who records, especially singers, songwriters. It's the most restrictive, mm-hmm. annoying thing you can do is to play to a click track. Right. So instead of that, he had me just, he said, get comfortable, play the song the way you know it's supposed to go. And he sat there with headphones on and he's got a MIDI board and he just built a drum track real quick. Okay. There was not going to be the end drum track. It was just something I could play to yeah. other than a click track. And what took me during the Ain't Sisters recording, I mean, it took several days of recording to mm-hmm. get my scratch tracks down and we didn't even end up using most of them. Okay. We went back and, and re-recorded and redubbed those. Everything for the entire album was done in four hours. Nice. Acoustic guitar was. Okay. Just because, you know, 30 seconds of building a drum track and then I'd run in, play it three or four times and it was done. And so much of that album was made so much easier just because Jaren is so easy to work with. That and I think, you know, I guess we we say that we co-produced it, Mm -hmm. but in truth, everyone who played on the record was a producer in a way um, and a writer in a way because I knew that if I asked the best people to come in and play, that they would do what they do well. If right. I just said, hey, do what you do, listen to the record, you know, listen to what we've got for the scratch tracks uh-huh. and see what you hear and have fun, enjoy what you're doing. And everybody who came in, I was, there was maybe one or two little places where I kind of pushed someone in a direction, but it was mm-hmm. always very exciting for them. Ian Clinn, who played keys on the record, he, there was one song, in my head, I was just like, man, I just want some like real Jerry Lee Lewis, like crazy shit on this. Boogie woogie. Yeah, yeah I want so. some boogie woogie Jerry Lee Lewis. And he goes, dude, Jerry Lee Lewis is why I started playing piano. <laughs> That's awesome. I can't wait to do it. And what he produced for that, it's the, the song Heavy is uh-huh. what has that um, key solo. I have chills right now just thinking about it because he did such a good job. Um, and that same track... Uh, my friend Johnny Daly had been doing a lot of the guitar and pedal steel work for me. Mm-hmm. And I sent him over that track and he didn't tell me what he was doing. He just sent it back and said, do you like what, do you like what's on there? And I was like, yeah, man, that's so rad. He goes, it wasn't me. <laughs> He's like, I pulled in my friend, my friend, uh, Spencer Kirkpatrick, who was, uh, like the go-to guy in the eighties. Okay. Um, he works for a small boutique guitar shop up in Marietta now um, and doesn't really play out and very rarely does much recording or anything like that mm-hmm. but he's he can play anything and Johnny was just trying to encourage him to get back out there and do something right. so he just pulled him into his home studio and said hey will you play on this and we'll fly it in and see what they think and it was amazing and we just like put a whole bunch of like slap back effect on it and it sounds like so it sounds like we've got Jerry Lee Lewis on keys and Elvis on guitar. <laughs> <laughs> you sound a lot like me when I do a, a record of my producer says I have musical Tourette because I want to put oh, all yeah. kinds of weird stuff in there. French horns or trumpets. Mm-hmm. And yep. then the we've one, got horns on this record, which was a... It makes it sound so much better. Yeah, it was a huge um, uh, departure for what, you know, with the Ain't Sisters... I'd say we're, that's really hard to pigeonhole us when people say, mm. what's, what genre are you? We're like really good music you're going to like, right? because we, <laughs> you know, we don't know what, what to call ourselves, I guess, Americana or roots or in indie rock, but indie rock kind of like, you know, you get the little shoegazer, yeah. you know, and we're definitely not that there's almost no shoegazing going on at all. Ari won't allow for that. <laughs> I always tell people cause I ask them that too, but they ask me on my band. I say right. we're mutt music. Mutt music. Yeah. That's of, a good term. Cause, cause I've got like, a saxophonist. I've got an R and B singer. And right. then you got my country style writing. Right. So it's completely three different genres put into one. Well, it's like, it's like dog breeds, you know, they're originally there, you know, you'd see like, oh, that dog obviously has like some German shepherd and some lab in it or something. Right. But now like there's so much, there's been so many mutts and you're, you've got the Carolina dog, which is like a little bit of everything. And that's mm-hmm. kind of like how music is shaping up because you trace any lineage of music back. And like, you know, if you start listening to who you really respect, so Indigo Girls is an example, since that's who I grew up listening to, right. um, then you start 
you know, listening to Joni Mitchell and you're like, oh, Emily totally ripped off Joni Mitchell. Mm -hmm. And Amy, like, she ripped off everybody. <laughs> um, like, you can hear a lot of, like, the um, even, even weird bands that you wouldn't expect that the Indigo Girls were influenced by... Mm -hmm. um, like the kinks you know like you can hear right. the kinks in there if you listen to the kinks like you, you'll hear some of amy stuff in there um but but as you trace that lineage back it gets a little bit more pure but we're in a generational period where we have access to everything and we've got spotify and spotify's and pandora right. and all these things which suck but they're throwing music at us that we haven't heard before mm -hmm. and now you're like hey you know, and I, I would say that whatever the Avett brothers are, the ancestors are that. Okay. Um, because we kind of span that same weirdness of everything from folk to full-blown rock. Right. Sometimes there's a little, like, funk to it or a little R&B to it, but for the most part, we're a rock band. Right. You, you put whatever um, influences you have. I right. mean, when I start, wanted to start my band... I wanted to model it after John Cafferty and the Beaver Brown band. Okay, yeah. Uh, if you ever seen maybe Eddie and the Cruisers, mm -hmm. that's the kind of style that, yeah. that, that I like, you know, because it's rock and roll with saxophone. But you never stay. No, you like, can't. You, you're going to divert here and there because you're going to have influences that come in from the outside, from the, you know, from the left and the right, and you're like, you know, I, I started listening to Shovels and Rope about three or four years ago, and that's mm. heavily influenced the newer stuff that I've written because especially my solo stuff because a lot of times when I do shows like this where I'm playing by myself I'm, I'm using a cajon right. as a kick and then I'm just playing the guitar and, and that really stripped down raw root sound is definitely something that mm -hmm. I pulled from the shovels and rope uh, like their sonic realm but it's also really natural to me okay. you know like once you because like it's, it's not natural for me I actually struggle with Ari a little bit because so I grew up listening to Indigo Girls, Lucinda Williams, Sheryl Crow, mm -hmm. um, and then like Aerosmith and Metallica and stuff like that. Right. And then Ari was like a much like more butt shaken kind of person. Uh -huh. She grew up listening to Prince and Stevie Wonder, and and Rage Against the Machine, which is like, <laughs> to we are totally like if you listen to right. some of our heavier stuff, you're like, oh yeah, that is definitely Rage. Rage Against the Machine, <laughs> but. Um, but those two worlds merging is tricky because she wants to have that deep pocket kind of mm -hmm. shake your ass feel. And a lot of my stuff is driven, almost punk rock. Right. And then the slower stuff, which, you know, we, like we, we stray away from it a little bit in our uh, live shows, but it's on the records. Mm -hmm. And um, that stuff is everywhere from like a slow Prince vibe to that early indigo girls okay. like, especially on my, my new record i've got a couple of songs on there and that is a schizophrenic record <laughs> there is a song on there that i would not hesitate to say has a heavy acdc influence on it uh -huh. and there's also a song on there that is straight up old school like indigo girls yeah but probably more even like patty griffin like very early folky okay. sound, you know, and I mean it's it just runs the gamut. But I tried to, I tried to order it in a way where it makes sense. Not that anyone listens mm -hmm. to an album in order, but I am gonna eventually put it on vinyl to at least force the audio files to hear it the way that it's supposed right. to. Right. <laughs> um, but it, you know, it's like a there's a storyline to it. Um, I mean, you should. I mean, when I think because people now have such a hard time focusing on one thing, I like you're saying that they don't want to listen to albums. Right. If your album has six different genres into it, then it's not really listening to. It doesn't feel to your ear like you're listening to the same people over and over. Right. Yeah. Well, that's that's part of the listenability. Like, not to pigeonhole anybody, but like, um, someone like Hootie and the Blowfish or mm -hmm. uh, John Popper. Blues Traveler. Yeah. Like, they're so distinct mm -hmm. that you can listen to the albums through, like, once or twice, but then it's like, yeah, okay, that's enough of that. Um, for me, at least. But, I mean, there's people who I'm sure are probably pissed off that I just said that, but whatever. No. <laughs> well, that's one of the reasons that I like the Indigo Girls is because Amy and Emily are very distinct from each other, mm -hmm. the two lead singers, and then within their own writing, they diverge 
you know, Amy is everything. For, I mean, Amy put her solo stuff is incredible. She's put out everything from a full on punk record to mm-hmm. what amounts to old school country. Okay. And uh, and pretty much everything in between. And Emily is more. Her solo album is still more filky with a little bit of a jazz influence mm-hmm. to it. And so you hear that in their in their the records that they've done as the Indigo Girls as it spans from one genre to the next and you don't get bored and that's something that it's tricky to navigate in the music industry when you're pitching your stuff yeah but fans love it Mm -hmm. like if they get into you and you can give them something that's diverse a diverse catalog that they don't get bored with then you've Mm -hmm. got fans for life oh yeah why don't you just start i mean look at uh screw the industry right (laughs) once (laughs) you if you get your foot in i mean hank jr charlie daniels they've got fans still and they came out in the 70s and the 80s and people just followed them Mm -hmm. i might can and go back to what you were saying earlier i might can connect the dots for you eric norman uh i know eric okay he um you know will mitchell Mm -hmm. he ran the uh Red Light Cafe, the open mic stuff that they had. Yeah. Because uh, you said, you kept talking about the Ain't Sisters. Like, I know I've heard you guys there. And that's where I heard you. Eric goes there a lot. Okay, yeah. Will has uh, the Indigo Girls come to him. that she's, They played with him before, too. Yeah. So that's probably where everybody turned. And because and, when you came up there. And yeah, everything in Atlanta. That's one of the things about Atlanta music scene is that it's very, I don't want to say incestuous. That's got a negative con- connotation, but it's tight knit. Mm-hmm. It's close. And even it, I mean, even completely disparate genres are connected. My friend Sonia Lee does stuff with the Wheeler Brothers, who are rappers, okay. and then like um, has done stuff with Shine, who's another Atlanta rapper. And like, so I mean, like even the rap community is connected to the folk community, connected to the country community. Yeah. I mean, Sonia used to tour with Levi Lowry and Zach Brown and that whole crew. So you know, it's like there's there's not pocket there's pockets but they're right. connected yeah and that's they're all in the one. same pants and that's the same here <laughs> like when you heard some of the people here like Deborah Lynn and uh Chloe Litton all of them mm. come from the same kind of same community right. it's, as big as a community is it doesn't feel that way because right. you run into the same people over and over well the weird thing is and I love this about what we're doing and um there's a couple other bands that are doing some similar stuff we are strangely embedded in the jam band scene here okay because we are definitively not a jam band we've got a lot of like two minute and 30 second songs Mm -hmm. um we don't jam every once in a while we'll open up and you know let it let it go but it's very rare we have pre-built songs that we play pretty much to the record and somehow we've just been adopted by that jam band culture so we play a lot of shows in the same circles as bands like Copious Jones, um, Dotline Project, mm-hmm. um, Deemsters. There's like, and and there's a lot of new bands spurning out of that. And like, this is the cool thing about Atlanta too, is that it's there's not a competitive bone right. in anybody's body. So we're very inclusive. And right now we're in the kind of in the swing of bringing a whole lot of new stuff into the scene. Mm-hmm. Um, we've connected really tightly with a group of musicians from the St. Petersburg, Florida area um, in Daytona. And we've been going down and playing their festivals. They've been coming up and playing our festivals and the influence is really cool. There's been bands spinning out of that, old members of, um, uh, there was a band called Blue Bop Fandango that kind of disintegrated to some extent. I think they might still play some shows occasionally. And then Copious Jones, which was a huge Atlanta jam band for a while. Mm Um, and they broke down and they still pl- they play occasionally now with a slightly different lineup but um, they came together Blue Bop and Copious came together and grabbed some other musicians from Comeback Alice from Florida mm-hmm. and a couple of bands from up here and then they ended up building this band called Tire Fire and like straight out of the gate there it's a super group is right. really what it is and there's a lot of that happening um, we've got a new uh songwriter in town brad parsons who toured with fruition he's from portland and his backing band is from pittsburgh and they come down and play with him starboard okay and they're fantastic so there's this really awesome like cosmic convergence happening right now where um you know we're going out to those places donna hopkins who's a big huge part of our musical family here um just got back from northwest string summit with brad 
I got picked up by Donna the Buffalo and went to New York to Trumansburg for Finger Lakes Grassroots Festival, connected with some bands up there from Pennsylvania and New York City. One of the bands I met from there, who's from New York City, they're coming down and playing at the Moonshadow Tavern okay. on October 3rd, which this may or may not be out by then, but um, or October, they're playing with us at Eddie's Attic on October 3rd. Okay. And then um, they're playing, I think maybe September 30th, they're playing at the Moonshadow Tavern. But, uh, and that, that band is Dirty May. But like, there's just so much collaboration and expansion and so many people coming into the fold and we're getting pulled into folds. We went to, well, I, I went on my own with Brad Parsons to okay. Aiken Bluegrass Festival this past year. Ended up connecting like almost like a weird spiritual bond with the Rumpke Mountain Boys from Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Um, and also Horseshoes and Hand Grenades. Um, from Wisconsin and uh, it's just like the more we've gotten pulled into these really cool tight-knit festival circuits and and what's exciting is that these are the these are like the um, the phrase on the outside of the festivals these are the kids that are like super excited to be where they're at but these festivals are um, you know they're headlined by uh, like Keller Williams and Larry Keel and you know people who were like holy crap like, <laughs> holy crap, we're this close. <laughs> um, I mean, just playing uh, Jim Lauderdale yep. was uh, down at Suwannee. And, I mean, Don of the Buffalo is a huge band, too. And, like, we just end up jamming with these people. Vince Herman from Leftover Salmon was, mm-hmm. like, I didn't even really know who he was. I, I'm not a jam band person. Right. And I'm standing there jamming, and, like, I'm really just hitting the one. I'm like, gee, gee, I got this. Okay, I can hit that G. <laughs> On the one every time, but I have no idea what the hell's going on. Right. And, um, I, I'm friends with acquaintances with John Stickley and uh, uh, Lindsey Pruitt, and they were in that jam, and I was just like kind of hanging out because they were hanging out there. And then my friend Amanda leans over and she goes, Do you know who you're playing with? It's Vince Herman from Leftovers. <laughs> and then I, was, then I was terrified, and then I don't even think I was hitting the G on the one anymore. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, you just like, you, there's, there's so much. Um, there's so much coming together right now, and I think a lot of people fear that music is in a bad place right now, but I think it's in a transition where instead of, like, no one's going to make millions of dollars off platinum records anymore right. because that's not how music is disseminated. Yep. Um, the way that you're going to, the, the survivors are going to be the people who connect. Right. With other bands, with their audiences, who build cults, and <laughs> basically. That's, that's kind of how it's always been, too. I mean, it's always who True. you know. I mean, even trying to get into Nashville, because I'm more of a songwriter, so trying to get into Nashville, it's who you know. You know, and that's, I think even though they've got so much you were talking about, like with Spotify and the Pandora, and there's yeah. so many avenues that you can get your music out, anybody can, that it's, yeah, it's, it's oversaturated, but yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, a, it's a good way to get heard. By somebody, you know. I, but I, I think, I think that the the slight, uh, the shade of difference in in just like who you know and building mm-hmm. community is a huge. It's a huge difference. It's oh, not yeah. a shade of difference. It's uh, you know, like I lived in Nashville for exactly one month, mm-hmm. and I wrote one song there because I was really busy trying to survive. Right. You know, and I I only sat down and really came out with something good one time, but um. It, the thing is, is that you can have like that slimy connection mm-hmm. of what can I, what can I do for you to make you do what right. I need you to do for me, or you can have that like, hey brother, hey sister, mm-hmm. connection, and that's what the Atlanta music scene has, and that's what we're starting to develop with a lot of the bands from Florida and um, Asheville, Cincinnati, Wisconsin, like all over the country. Like there, there's these really soulful, heartfelt musicians and and I think we need each other because there's a lot of I think with the disruption in the music industry like we've lost a lot of people there's been a lot of people who just can't handle it and I think that the difference sometimes I mean it's like it sounds dramatic but it's (laughs) the difference between life and death can be having that solid community and supporting one another and being there you know like because you're out if you're out really doing it you're away from a lot of the people that you love at home mm-hmm. so if you can find that sense of community while you're on the road when you're at festivals and stuff when you can 
you know, walk into Spirit of Suwannee Music Park and be like, oh, there's my family, there's my, there's my other family, then that, that makes being away from your, your core, your, you know, your, your yeah. real life, if you want quote, quote unquote real life, that much easier and you're not torn apart because right. you have that support system everywhere you go. Whereas I think a lot of the people who are out there trying to just like make it happen, a lot, like Nashville is like paved. It's so true. Like it's just a city that's paved with the broken dreams of people who go there and try so hard. And it's just like, you can't do it on your own. And there's such a, and this is an American problem, not a music industry problem, but there's such a do it DIY, do it yourself. You're on your own. Uh, you know, just like, righteous independence mindset mm -hmm. and you can't nope you can't and and i read articles and i like laugh and in, in a really sarcastic way because even today i saw one that it was like you got to do it yourself and i'm laughing because i'm sitting there cutting out i have like little flyers for my show coming up in uh next week actually friday i'm playing and this is you know not gonna be coming out on time for this show but anyway like I have a show on Friday September 20th I'm putting out my first record and solo record and I'm sitting there in the Starbucks cutting out <laughs> with scissors these little flyers to tell people about the show mm -hmm. and I'm laughing at because I'm, I'm like no like I really <laughs> want a team of people to sit here with the scissors and cut this out with me like right. I don't want to do it on my own and and I want support and I and I think everybody does really and I think I think everybody's kind of bucking up and trying to like, oh, yeah, I'm self-made, I've done it on my own. And it's like, that's the hard way. And Atlanta music scene is so supportive that, you know, we'll reach out to one another and we're not hiding venues or gigs from each other. If they're, you know, hey man, we just played this new place. You should totally play there. And they pay good and they treat you right. And they got a nice green room and like, you know, and, and so we share that with one another and we realize that it's not a competition and that there's plenty of room for all of us and that it's kind of like rising tide lifts all ships. The more we can all do to put on really good shows and keep people right. entertained and coming out, they're going to, that's going to become part of their lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And it's not going to, and we've actually been in talks with, and I don't know if this is under wraps or not. I don't care. <laughs> um, been talking with a pretty well-known promoter in the Atlanta area about doing some shows together. We generally call our group of musicians for the Panda Family. So mm -hmm. saying like, let's do a Panda Family jam and let's play like variety in Terminal West and have like four or five bands at one time right. with a higher ticket price so that, you know, we're not playing on one side of town while Ralph Roddenberry is on another side of town and Donald Hopkins is on another side of town and Copious Jones is on another side of town and people are like, oh, I want to go see all of them, but I can't. Okay, mm -hmm. I make a decision, and then like everybody gets a half-assed crowd. Yeah. So instead of doing that and splitting people, if we just go ahead and and I think having like those some of those bigger venues with a little more hype around the show will bring in new audience, new crowds and stuff. And I'd really love to to as much as there is a like overlap in community, I'd love to bring in some of like the younger people, Chelsea mm -hmm. Shag. Um, uh, there, the we do play with the Pussy Willows a lot, and Hannah Zale from Zale. Um, the, those those young bloods are insane. Like they and they're good at like the social media and stuff. Yes. Like, you know, like we're like, you know, there's a lot we can show them and a lot that we can offer them. But man, they know what they're doing when it comes to like they're like all over Instagram. They're doing these little like short videos. I'm like, how do you even make a video on Instagram? <laughs> Like, that's, I'm almost 40. I don't know what the hell you're doing. That's why I named my band Yes Man. It stands for Middle Age Men because I have no idea yeah. what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> I have to get my 22-year-old son to, to teach me how to do some of the <laughs> social media. What's images. a tweeter? I, I don't know. <laughs> I thought that was the thing that made the high end in the speaker. I still call it a pound sign yeah. because it's a hashtag. hashtag. So I, it's yeah. a pound sign. I've, I've been on the phone since I remember. Yeah. So. Right. That's, that's pound sign. It's like what you hit like when you like want to like, you know. In the call. Change. Yeah. <laughs> go back to the original menu on the call. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that there's a lot for the younger folks to offer us, us mm -hmm. to offer the younger folks. I think that there's just like 
there's a lot more growth and expansion happening in music now and it's almost out of necessity it was easier to stay in your little hole and do what you do mm-hmm. when like if you were gonna make it you're gonna make it within this like genre within you know there's like you got your little eggshell around you of your producer and your manager and who you know and like and you were you were in a glass jar and now like nobody has that anymore right. you can't get onto a management roster unless nah. like they'll come knocking on your door when you don't need them anymore yeah or you'll get these smaller ones that aren't who, really yeah who don't really know what they're doing and like there's a lot of people with really great intentions and there's people who are just doing it out of the goodness of their heart and they're doing a great job but there's like those people who like uh, yeah it's you got to kind of like know who you're dealing with right. but th- there's just um the industry is ever-changing and even the people who know what they're doing don't know what to do to some extent. They're connections at this point. They can get you into the festival, they can get you into the venue, but you know, they're, I feel like they're crapshooting the media stuff too. Yeah. You know, like who under, who really understands a Facebook algorithm other than like the people who build them? Right. (laughs) I couldn't tell you. I mean, I I do, I know we do Facebook live and now the way, like you talked about the earlier about trying to get them out to the, to the bars and into the clubs, you got a lot of times do, I see these house concerts are popping up now. Oh, yeah. Well, and you know what the bitch is? I'm sorry, I don't know if I can say that. I, like, yeah, um, we're not yeah. controlled <laughs> by the FCC. Right. <laughs> but the problem with that is is that, you know, our, the people who are supposed to be helping us make our money, mm-hmm. I'm ASCAP, but ASCAP, BMI, um, they're, they're chasing down the house concerts. Are they? And so now the house concerts have to tiptoe around what they're doing and... It, it, it's it's tricky for a lot of, like a lot of cool house concerts that I had heard good things about. I've reached out to the organizers and they're like, yeah, we did our last one last week because the you know the um, all the all we're, everybody's trying to get royalties out of us for having these shows at our house mm-hmm. and now like unless it's like a completely private event and you don't really announce it and then you know and so it's it's tricky but it is a great option. Um, I think there's solutions out there. I just just think that we have to um, kind of put our heads together and come up with them. I've got a few ideas. I've been talking with some people about ways to take, to not take them down. That sounds really nasty, but like mm-hmm. how to overtake, how to compete with Spotify. I've I've got an idea that I've, I've talked to people about. It's not really a house concert, but it's more of like the stage it or the, the concert window that they used to have, which they shut down. Right. But uh, I've yeah. got a old pool that I'm draining. I'm going to drain the pool and I'm going to build a stage inside the pool. That's right. And I got to put a camera inside of it and live stream it. And nice. then that can be people, you know, they tip the artist mm-hmm. that way. You pay five bucks to watch it or whatever. And then yeah. Well, what's split. the format for that? Like, how do you pay the five bucks? You just uh, like well, honor system? Like there is. The way you would have to set it up is like what's you, would, the gate? you would have to do either, because um, I know Venmo does a lot of it, that's where I do for my band, is either set it up so that it's per artist, like you have your own Venmo and they can tip the artist. Sure, yeah, um, it's, but it's a tip-based thing mostly because like we, what we do is we'll put like a virtual tip jar, tip jar up when we're yeah. doing our Facebook live streams. Um, you know, like the majority of people are just going to like watch it for 10, 20 minutes. Yeah. And, and not, they're right. not going to tip, um, which is one of the reasons I, I liked Concert Window as a concept because people had to pay mm-hmm. to access it. What I was thinking was like it would be really cool and they'll never do it because it's not – unless they're getting a piece of it, they'll never do it. But Facebook, you know, if, if they had a thing where you could like watch for five minutes and if right. you wanted to continue watching – it's like, you know, yeah. a cover a cover charge. Covered, yeah. And like yeah. I said, now it's Stage It is the what is the new concert window. There's there's Stage It and then there's somebody's been telling me about this, uh there's another one and it's primarily for video game players. Twitch. Twitch, yeah. I got twenty two year old, I can tell you that's yeah, the only way I know it. Yeah, I can't even retain the information that I get, but but Twitch is a pay paid subscription based okay. kind of thing or something and like so yeah. if you're playing on there people have to pay to watch but I don't even begin to understand what I don't either on. because I know my kid <laughs> will watch them on Twitch play video games yeah. and I'm like why are you watching someone else play a video game so I don't understand that I can tell you a guaranteed way that I know I'll always make money mm-hmm. is to set myself up on top of my cajon with my guitar outside of a venue and play Right. music to real people who are looking at me mm-hmm. and I'm smiling at them and I'm playing them yep. their favorite song uh, you know I go up uh, you know and 
if I go up to Pack Square in Asheville and I play for a couple hours, I know I'm going to make money. Yeah. And like, it's it people look down on it. It seems very rudimentary, but there's nothing like face-to-face -face contact. And if you've got CDs there, and if you've got you know something mm -hmm. that they can take with them that's tactile, like a piece of paper that just says where they can find you. Yep. I mean that face to face and it's hard and it's like grinding work and you can't do it every day. It's not sustainable to sit outside and play over right. traffic every day. You're going to lose your voice, but that's, that's my plan. I'm dropping out from society. <laughs> I'm quitting my, I've been a self-employed dog walker for a couple of years now. And, okay. um, and I just let all my clients know that I'm out I'm like, I'm going to Roots Revival down in Spirit of Suwannee in October, and I'm not coming back. Right. <laughs> I mean, I'll come back me. eventually, but on my own terms and not to walk dogs. And um, I'm just going to do music full-time, and that's a big part of my plan is just to busk, Martin. just to play out where people can see me. I'm not afraid to busk. I'm not afraid to play open mics. Mm -hmm. I'm not afraid to take, like, $50 coffeehouse gigs because you've got to get in front of people. Right. It's a numbers game. And Everything is. That's what the problem I think of that Spotify right now has is you got people that have never played out live mm -hmm. that are putting out CDs. Right. And that's, I mean, it's great that you're getting your music, but it's, there's nothing like getting in front of a crowd and trying to win them over. Mm -hmm. You know, once you do that, then that, if it is just something inside, it feels great. When you're hitting yeah. the licks and you're on, on your own your pocket and you're playing and they're going and tipping you and everybody's having a good time. That's nothing. Yeah. Nothing beats yeah. that. It, it really, like, there nothing builds connection like face-to-face -face contact. Right. And I mean, you can listen to somebody. I've, I've, I had listened to several bands on Spotify that just kind of were like popping up mm -hmm. when I was listening, to, or it was Pandora, or whatever. But like, I would be listening to my shovels and rope station, and I'm hearing these bands pop up, and I'm like, man, like Leon Bridges, wow, that's really good. Or um, there's another one, Head in the Heart, really good. But uh, Shovel and Rope puts on High Water Festival every year on Earth Day or somewhere around Earth Day, and um, which I love because it's usually on 420 and it's called High Water Festival. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and but it's in North Charleston, and, and so they had a lot of those bands that I was that were popping up organically on their Pandora station. A lot of those bands were playing that festival, and I, I would say especially the Shins and Band of Horses. Mm -hmm. I went from a casual like oh they're good to like. I'm going to every show that I can possibly go to. <laughs> Avett Brothers too. Like I, I really, I really did like the Avett Brothers a lot. But when I saw them live mm -hmm. there, I was just like, man, I'm a fan. Right. Like that, and so it just translates differently. That that personal experience, mm -hmm. especially when you're in a, a festival situation, which is why the Ant Sisters are really like we're trying to knock down doors to get into some of the bigger festivals because okay. that, that's just a situation where people you're on vacation you're having a good time you're probably partaking in a few things that are making your enhancing your experience right and you're you know it's it's something that's going to resonate in your memory and your CD is a reminder of a really great time you know and that's yep. and that's what we want to be we want to be part of people's history and part of people's uh you know, I, one of my favorite artists was Daniel Howell mm -hmm. growing up. I ended up, just by total luck, ended up being really good friends with her. But when I was like 20, 21 years old, and I was living in a one-room little rundown piece of crap house yep. in Kirkwood on a street that was like very dangerous, um, I, would listen to her, I would listen to her record every day because my dog dragged all my other CDs across the floor. <laughs> And that was the only one that was in the CD player at the time. And, and I loved that record, but I was really glad that it was spared in that the dog disaster. But, um, but I listened to it and it was really, it was like one of the things that kept me alive during that like a really rough time mm -hmm. in my life. And like, that's something that I don't feel like people get as much anymore. Like there's not as much of like, there's that one record. My buddy Johnny, who's on my, who plays pedal steel on my record, like he's like, man, that Lucinda Williams car wheels on a gravel road saved my life, man. Like I was going through a divorce, it saved my life, and I think that's one of the, the sad things about this is that you know the, the way that we're moving into a streaming mm -hmm. uh, era is that we're losing that sense of like, that's the record that changed me. That's the, you know, cause like you're just getting single, single, single. Yeah. Or EPs, you know? nobody wants to do it. Yeah. 
Yeah, and that's why I was like, I'm making a full-length record, and I'm making it with intention of people listening to it from the beginning to the end. So that's and that's the fighter. It's coming out September 20th. It'll be hopefully on vinyl by Christmas. <laughs> yeah, and, and anything like that because I know the the podcast won't come out before that. Mm-hmm. Send it to me. You can send it to my messenger or my email. Uh, I'll send you my email, and then I will post it onto the, the awesome. Facebook page. Yeah, I'll, and for, uh, some stuff I'm, I'm pretty sure will be happening before the podcast comes out is um, we're going to be playing. We're doing a little uh, North Carolina run that's bookended by a couple of really cool Georgia shows. We're playing mm-hmm. at the Crimson Moon in Dahlonega on November 15th as a full band. Then we're going up and we're playing a few shows throughout North Carolina, most of which are house shows. Like You can get on our website, which is www.theaintsisters.com okay. um, and those will be listed on there if, the, uh, if it's something that you want to come to mm-hmm. you can you just have to hit us up this is part of that whole weirdness of the house concert thing yep. is that they can't advertise but you can ask us personally for invites and we can bring you in yeah. um, Reedsville North Carolina is one of them Asheville North Carolina is another and then we'll probably be up in Hot Springs for another show then we're doing Allwindaw Green and King Street Green, Awendaw, South Carolina, and then Charleston, South Carolina. And then we're rounding out that little run with a birthday show. Ari's birthday is November 17th and mine's November 21st. Okay. So we're doing a birthday show at Eddie's Attic in Decatur gotcha. on November 22nd. And uh, Keenan Schmidt is opening for us. Okay. And he's, uh, he's freaking amazing. If you like Shaky Graves, he's like one man band like that. Okay. Really good. Um, very reminiscent of that. And, um, and he's a hometownish boy. He's from Noonan. So. Nice. You want to play us a songboard? Absolutely. Um, what, when do you go on? I know they timed us on here. Are you after Chloe or do you? I know? might be after Chloe, but I'll, I'll play a short song. No, I'll play whatever you want. She's got, uh, I think you're good for another 15 minutes. Okay, cool. <laughs> uh, you, want, you want some? Am I going to blow you away if I play something loud? No, go ahead. I'm going to adjust it as you go. Okay. All right. This is, a, this is an Aunt Sister song. It's on uh, our record, Marrow. Ari's 
wild guitar and or mandolin solo. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I always miss my security blanket when she's not around. <laughs> I like that song. That's a, a good song. Thanks. I don't know if I've ever heard that one. I've heard a couple of your stuff because I our remember it. Barn burners. <laughs> um, well, like I said, we're so we're we're all over the place. So, I mean, we get that's that's one of the ones that we play if we're trying to like it's a closer or it's some or or an opener. You know, if we're trying to like mm-hmm. just like come out guns a blazing. Um, Depends on where you're at, right? Yeah, yeah. It's and that's one of the cool things about having such a diverse catalog is that I mean we could play a punk venue, we can play, we can open for the Carolina Chocolate Drops. Like it just doesn't matter where we are, we can adjust accordingly, and we can play us really, especially if we're playing like a shorter set, like a forty-five or something. I mean, we can play a solid forty-five of just about whatever you want. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a. Uh, Ain't Sisters especially is like super diverse. I and mean, Ari's got some stuff that's like off the chain, out of control, loud. <laughs> and so I guess I do too, but mine's more like straight rock and roll. I'm a little more like, it uh, feels like uh, Smashing Pumpkins or something. Okay. She, I mean, she'll, like, she really will go to that Rage Against the Machine place. <laughs> well, tell everybody where they can find you at. Where's all the social um, media so websites? If you're, if you're wanting to check out the Ain't Sisters, the AintSisters.com is like, I'm gonna spell it for you. There's no apostrophe. It's T H E A I N T S I S T E R S. Ain't Sisters. The Ain't Sisters. dot com. Um, and then Barb Carbon, just like the element. So B A R B C A R B O N. dot com. That's my solo stuff. Um, and a lot of the Ain't Sister stuff is listed on there okay. too. Because if I'm playing with them, I put it on my calendar. But um, and we're all over. You know, social media, we're on Facebook. We're old, but we're still on Instagram and Twitter and all that <laughs> stuff. And it's all exactly what you would think it is. It's like, you know, Barb Carbon 1 or the Ain't Sisters. You know, there's not another option for the Ain't Sisters. Right. If you go looking for us, you put us in Google, that's all that pops up. <laughs> now, we were talking earlier, um, Moose. I know, yeah. I know you go by Moose, but that's your trail name, right? Yeah. I, uh, twenty. So 2012, I, I, was, I had been working for Michelle Malone for a while. And um, that imploded a little bit. And um, so I just decided I was like, I, I need, I had been working for somebody else for years. And before that, I had kind of regular jobs, I guess, for a while, kitchens and whatnot. And I was like, man, I'm free. I can just do whatever I want. So in 2012, I rode my bicycle from Atlanta to Connecticut and then oh, wow. a good ways back down through like the Delaware water gap before I'd gotten caught in Hurricane Sandy and then there was a blizzard right after that and I was like my initial intention was to ride my bike all the way to Denver after Connecticut and um, it's, it was just too cold <laughs> so I ended up bailing out on that getting a ride from a friend of mine back down to North Carolina and then I ended up spending that winter in Alabama on an organic farm watching some cows <laughs> and then uh I decided sometime during that winter, I guess I decided to trade in my biking gear for hiking gear. And I got on the Appalachian Trail March 23rd of 2013 with every intention of hiking all the way to Katahdin. Mm-hmm. I started on Springer um, and I was, in, I was in the pod. I was like right at that time when everybody who's hiking a through hike is right. leaving and it's literally like a mobile frat party mm-hmm. like you got you cut out all your like you're like sawing off the handle of your toothbrush so that you have like <laughs> that many ounces less weight in your bag and then you're also putting like six pbrs in your bag so yep. my yeah. wife wants to hike the appalachian trail she watches uh there's this lady named dixie something i don't remember her name now but she hikes and does videos my yeah. wife wants to do all that stuff yeah she's gonna hike i'm like you're good I'll, I'll come pick you up wherever you need to it's 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 a great experience but what i learned about it is how much i hate making and breaking camp <laughs> like there is I mean, like, you know, as a person who it took me 30 years before I started to make my bed in the morning, Mm -hmm. the idea of like having to like make your bed and pack it into a pack and take down your tent and, you know, like make your food from nothing and cook on a white gas stove. I was just like, this is ridiculous. And so I've decided that if I go back out there again, I'm going to, there's a... 2011 there were some hikers that did uh they were called red truck green truck mm-hmm. and they are awesome they set up in indian indian gap i think somewhere 
right when the big massive pod is going through and they feed everybody like oh man it's amazing like it's like a huge picnic hamburgers hot dogs and stew and, and they've got all these lightweight snacks that you can take with you and they give you beer like if you want to like take a bunch of beer with you up the mountain you can right. take that too they're awesome but they had done in 2011 um the way they got their their trail names red truck green truck was that they had two trucks and they would frog leapfrog each other so they never had to sleep they had beds set up in the back of each okay. truck so they would hike from one truck to the other and then <laughs> drive down grab the other truck drive up to the next gap and then hike that okay. section so they never they were never doing anything more than day hiking and i was like that is the life <laughs> if i ever go back out there i'm definitely going to have my car or van or whatever parked in the gaps hope that a bear doesn't break into it right <laughs> and just hike you know, back and forth from the gap. So I, I want to get back out there. I ended up being, I, I got cut way short. I ended up uh, bailing just before, um, uh, somewhere in Tennessee, just, just below Tennessee, I think. Um, I, I hurt my knee really bad in Georgia. Okay. And I was like, I went from hiking 12 to 15 miles a day to hiking like six miles a day. And I just like fell behind everybody. And by the time my knee felt better, then I hit um, Neil's Gap and I ended up spending all my money because they were like, you are so ill-equipped to be out here. Like you have, you're gonna die. <laughs> so they shook, they shook me down, they called it a shakedown. They like sent half my stuff that I had brought home and then they sold me like $900 worth of much better stuff. I was much more comfortable, but yeah. also broke. broke. So um, I, yeah, I, I dropped out uh, just south of Irwin, Tennessee and hitchhiked that song that I just sang. Um, I did. I hitchhiked. It actually kind of lived more, less that song, and I lived more the song Wagon Wheel. I hitchhiked, okay. hitchhiked with a big rig, an oil tanker, into Johnson City, which was really interesting because there's no place for you to sit in an oil tanker. So I was literally sitting on the gear shift <laughs> between Bubba and Bubba Jr., who I couldn't understand either one of them. Like they were literally having conversations, and I was like, it's like being with people from a different planet. <laughs> I couldn't understand. And they were like, all I could understand was, you want some more Mountain Dew? And I was like, no, man, okay. <laughs> I know we're timed today, Barb. You got it. You and the uh, rest of the Ain't Sisters need to come up to the gazebo where Absolutely. I do this, and then we can do a longer one. We were not timed. Um, got to know Chloe's about to finish. You said yeah. you're next, so I don't want David coming knocking on my door telling me. <laughs> She's got to go on. <laughs> you're right. So tell everybody one more time where they can find you. Uh, definitely Facebook, the Ain't Sisters, uh, Barb Carbon Music, and then theaintsisters.com and barbcarbon.com okay. those are the most solid resources that we have perfect yeah and uh, just send me whatever song you want me to put on at the end that's finished I'll put it on there if you want to I'm up put one awesome. on the beginning because usually you'll play me. too oh no problem I'm glad you got to come Excited. on I said just tell everybody to come and see us and we'll do a yep. longer one and we won't time it and there'll be PBR there for you <laughs> awesome uh, everybody that was Barb Carbon and this was the Georgia Songbirds thank you Barb
in my car It's never going to 